It's showtime. This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxagimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. Everybody, welcome to Yak Fish in Texas. I am your host, Jaron Wassel, joined with my co-host Andrew Moxagemba. Uh, hope everybody had a really good weekend. We had a really good time. Uh, got to go down to the Houston fishing show, see lots of new lures, new contraptions for the new fishing season. Uh, got to get some hands on some new reels, rods, all sorts of the likes. And we're gonna get to that some of that stuff here later in the show. Uh, tonight we've got uh, hopefully he's going to give us a call in, uh, call in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to have uh, the owner of DOA Lures call in, Mark Nichols. Uh, that's going to probably be around 8.30 or so. Uh, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll give us a call in a little bit. But uh, until then, I, I do want to give a special shout-out here. Um, I got two people listening in that mean a whole lot to me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I got my grandparents from up in Kansas who are giving me a, giving me a listen tonight. Uh, how's it going, Grandma? How's it going, Grandpa? Uh, my grandpa is the one who really introduced me into the whole fishing scene other than my dad, uh, but he was very instrumental in develop me, developing me into the man I am and uh, teaching me how to fish and all that. So uh, I hope you're, uh, hope you're proud, Grandpa, and thanks for tuning in tonight. So, uh, but uh, how was your weekend, Andrew? I'm busy. It was full of the boat show. So talk boats nonstop for ten hours a day for five straight days. So good. Yeah, but that's a, that's good though, man. I, that that was probably one of my favorite things about the show is you know, you know, being in a store and talking to people and getting them set up and rigged and ready to go and be excited that way. That's one thing. But at the show and you know, you seeing people come out of seminar or seminars, especially where you you know our booth was set up. Uh, it, you get them coming right out, and then they start talking to you, and they correlate all the information that they just got straight to you from the show. So uh, that was pretty cool, man. I, I, I've, all, I've always liked talking to people at shows. That, you know, they walk in with their rods and reels. They, sometimes they got their kids with them. Their kids have just bought their first rods and reels, or they bought them for them. So uh, it's always a, that's a really cool thing. I like seeing that, too. No, you know what was really crazy is, um, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now. Is a 
the people I was talking to, the, you know, there were there were customers in the past and have bought kayaks and, in the past from us. For now, you know, avid fishermen. I mean, a couple of them even had booths there set up as guides. And I remember when they walked in the store and just were lost and didn't know what they were looking for or, you know, just looking for help. And it, it's kind of cool. I like that part of it. You know, of course, we're there to sell kayaks, but just like talking to people and kind of getting a pulse of what the general public wants out of a boat. It, it's it's nice. I do enjoy I enjoy the fishing show probably more than any show we do. So, yeah, what that's for. It, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, going out there, talking to the people, you know, and all that, that whole other aspect, that that is a fun way to do everything. And, you know, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. And I, I like spreading knowledge to the people that really don't know anything about kayak fishing. So, you know, they come out, you know, boats, lures, rods and reels, techniques, tactics, you know, whatever, you know, that, that's, that's really my environment. And I, I really, I really enjoy that. It's, it's a good time. And it's, it's a good time had by all really, because I, I don't see anybody walking on that show that's ever, you know, sad that they're there. I mean, you've got a chance to meet a lot of industry leading people there. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, that one year, shoot, what, we ran into Roger Clemens there? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we just <laughs> ran into Clemens there. Yeah, that was that was a little crazy. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting seeing him trying to <laughs> seeing him come over. He's like, man, the, the crazy guy at the kayak booth trying to call me over. You know that whole thing. But yeah, right. it, I mean, you run into so many different people. You know, you run into uh, ran into Mike McBride down there. Uh, we saw our friend Jeremy Chavez, who's he's just now gotten into guide service. So, you know, if you're in the Houston area, Galveston, Texas coast in general, you know, you've got Jeremy Chavez, who's probably one of the best up-and-coming guides on the Texas coast. Luckily, we can call him a friend. Uh, you know, he was there. We saw Dean from Slow Ride Guide Service down in Port Aransas. You know, that was a good time talking to Dean. Uh, we saw Bobby Clark, you know, pro staffer for Wilderness Systems. There's a, I mean, just a lot of industry people that you want to go and, you know, put a face with a name because you see them all over Facebook, Internet, stuff like that, but to actually go talk to them, you know, and, and they're very approachable people, which is the coolest part about it, you know. It's not like, you know, you meet someone off the bass or, you know, when we went to the Conroe Bassmaster Classic or whatever they called that event up in Conroe, you know, they had all those bass guys walking around, Gerald Swindle, and, you know, there was um, – Mike Iconelli and all those guys like that, you know, who was the guy I took a picture with? Um, Shaw Rigsby. You know, he was pretty approachable. But I saw I saw Van Dam, I saw Swindle, and I saw all those guys like that, and they weren't very approachable. I mean, they were kind of like standoffish. Uh, yeah, okay, I'd rather go do my own thing. But what's cool about the kayak industry is everybody's real down to earth, man. And, you know, you see their names, you see all that stuff, and you, you can just go talk to them. It's just... Everyone, every everyday normal conversations, no worries. So, but um, ah, well. I mean, they're still like kids in a toy store when they come in there too. I mean, at one point we had, and kind of like a who's who and kayak on, you know, the kayak industry in Texas in the booth, just hanging out, talking, like sharing stories. It was um, it was it was very cool. You know, a lot of those guys weren't even working there. We had Vince yeah, absolutely. kayak there. You know, and he just was walking around, him and Clint, Clint Barr, he was just walking around, had no reason to be there other than just to check out the show. 
So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it. I, I mean that that picture you guys had posted up. I mean, it had you know Jason. You know that's for anybody who's familiar with the Texas Kayak Fisherman Forum. You know Jason. He's fishaholic. Probably one of the best redfish fishermen fishermen I I know. I mean. Overall, in general, fisherman, period. But redfish, he, he brings home studs every single day. Uh, but, you know, we've got also, we also had Jeff Herman, you know, who's with Team Jackson Kayak, Team Warner Paddles. We had Rick Spillman, Team Ocean Kayak. Uh, you, you, we got Dustin Kareva from the Lone Star Kayak Series. Scott Thorson from, you know, Scotty's Baits. You know, he's a... He's pretty well known. He's, he's a good friend of Dustin and all those guys too, but he also makes custom lures now. So, uh, you know, there. Oh, and then we had uh, we had Miss A. You know, she was down there uh, doing, and she was working for the Bad Marine uh, booth. Her and her husband are sponsoring those guys, so they were. There. I mean, it was just everybody. You know, Bryce Sanchez at Solo Skiff. So. You know, but it's a cool event. And, you know, if you ever go to an event like that, that, that's a kind of fun one to go to because it's just so small scale. You can hit from booth to booth to booth and in in an afternoon time frame. And I don't know, man. You can can go ahead and pick their brain and spend some money and walk out some fun toys. It's a good time. But, yeah, it's not a high pressure like, you know, you go to some of the boat shows. <laughs> right. Everyone right. Got, most people in the booth have a beer, and including the people working in the booth. So it's a lot more laid back. Absolutely. Did you find but, any, did you walk around and find any interesting stuff in the, in the show? I know you got a little more time to walk around than what I did. Yeah, dude, I actually did. Uh, I had a lot of fun walking around and seeing a lot of new things because, you know, what was kind of nice is my penance for going to the show was that my anniversary gift from my wife was going to be a new rod and reel. So I got a chance to go walk around the show, browse, see what I was going to do. And, you know, I had a chance to go over to the Castaway booth um, and talk to Adam Murray. He's the owner of Castaway Rods uh, over there in Montgomery, Texas. And he had some amazing new stuff coming out. Uh, they've got a new rod called the Invicta series. It's a, It's got to be one of the most balanced rods I've ever held. And what's really cool about the rod, too, is no matter whether it's wet or dry conditions, that rod feels like it's got the same amount of grip no matter what. And, you know, every once in a while when I go to a show and they, these guys, they tout that they've got wet weather grips, I'll keep a bottle of water in like, like in my pocket or on me, and I'll kind of like you know when they're not looking or whatever, I'll pour some on my hand and kind of grab the grip on the rod to see if it's actually got a grip in wet conditions, like with a wet hand or water on that grip standing or whatnot. And this did, man. You know what? It, it actually it felt very reminiscent of a golf head, like a golf club head. Uh, it was it was legit, man. I had a really good. Uh, it was a really good feeling rod, but I ended up going with, uh, I picked one up from him, the 7'10 BD22 crankbait rod. And uh, ever since I moved here, I've had, a, uh, I've had, an, I've had an asphyxiation with crankbait fishing thanks to uh, 
our friend Ryan McDermott over at the the Native Pro Staff guy who co-hosts the show every once in a while whenever uh, you get sick. <coughs> but uh, <laughs> he uh, he's got me he's got me hooked, man. Crankbaits and all that stuff like that. You know that's that's what I've been fishing. I've got the I got the rod now, and then I was walking around and you know. I did quite a bit of shopping, too. I went by the American Rodsmith booth, and they've got great rods and reels. It doesn't matter if you're freshwater or saltwater fishing, but, you know, from where I was here, I always bought their rods as a saltwater rod. That's, you know, that's kind of like how I got started with American Rodsmith. But, um, you know, it's... It, it, it was. It wasn't anything against them. It's just that I felt comfortable talking to Adam. I've dealt with him before on a rod and reel, and I and I I love the Skeleton series. It's an amazing rod. It, it's got lots of action, plenty of backbone, but the DD twenty two has got plenty of forgiveness in it too. So as you're reeling that crankbait in, as it hits a piece of structure, it won't load that that rod tip won't load up and pop back and then embed the hooks from the crankbait into whatever you're reeling it over. It'll forgive. You can let go of it a little bit and let the bait float back up and then start it over again. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a solid rod, 7-foot, 10-inch. It's, you know, long casting from the kayak, which I'm really thinking about switching a lot of my rods over to 8-foot um, because I want to have that extra casting distance. You know, a guy standing on the deck of a boat, he's got, you know, he's standing up. He can get his whole body into the cast. So a seven-and-a-half-foot rod, he can throw that bait a lot further than we can sitting down. So I'm thinking about going to the, you know, giving me as much advantage as I can possibly. Yeah, it's a really long rod and, you know, not everybody's style. But, you know, eight-foot rod almost, that's going to give you a lot of casting distance, cover a lot more ground efficiently, and you can stay farther back off shorelines or anything like that. So, you know, that's kind of like been my... Uh, kind of been my forte. Yeah, I mean, what 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 rods do you use, Andrew? What what lengths do you use? Well, I mean, until this past weekend, I, I'm still using my old boat rods. I'm still using 6.6 H&H rods. And uh, this weekend, I finally switched over to getting some 7-foot rods. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think it's going to help my casting distance some, but it's hard to replace rods that there's nothing wrong with. So I just went and picked up. Uh, I, I'm friends with the owner of H and H, and I just can't force myself to use anything else but his rod. Just I don't know it's a loyalty to a friend, so I'm still using. I was using the HXS and the backcountry rods from H and H, and I've always been happy with them. That's cool, man. Yeah, Josh over there at H and H has got some good quality products. I mean, got a, uh, unfortunately, I get a chance to talk to him this year, uh, but yeah, he's got a lot of really good stuff. Um, over on that side, but you know, you know, I picked up that rod from from Adam, and I started walking. And I was like, all right, now I gotta find a reel. And I think actually, you know, buying a rod nowadays is a lot easier than buying a reel. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, you've got sixteen hundred different rod manufacturers. Don't get me wrong, but you know the general action of what you're looking for. I mean, you can get really fine-tuned. Like, you know, you, if you're a saltwater guy, if you want to get super lightweight and ultra-sensitive or anything like that, you can go pick up a Waterloo. You can go pick up a Laguna rod. You can go, you know, those small – there's a small guy down, and uh, he's close to the sergeant area, uh, Jaron Kubala. 
Yeah, he almost has the same. Uh, he has the same first name I do. But Kabbalah Custom Rods, they've got some really high high end stuff too. You know, you can go to stuff like that. But in my opinion, when it comes to a rod shopping, you know, the same. You're, you're going to basically get the same action. No matter where you go, it's just going to kind of be rebranded some way. Yeah, some some guys are going to disagree with me, but that, that's kind of what I feel whenever I go from booth to booth. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I feel like it, it, they all start out with, if not the same blank, a very similar blank. You know, based off of you know, for what, forever was the standard. You know, a, a Loomis, right? I mean, that's kind of what they're all started from, those nice high-end blanks. And then just how they're finished off it makes them a little bit different. But, man, I agree with you. Um, yeah. I fished with Waterloo yeah. Rods for a little while, and honestly, I couldn't tell the difference. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. When, when you pick up a good quality, you know, weight or two special from Laguna, it's super lightweight. It's ultra-sensitive. You know, you can cast that thing all day long. But... There's plenty of other rods out there that can do the same thing without dropping that much coin on a rod, you know? And, I'm not, and I don't mean that in any way knock to a Laguna rod because they market themselves very well. They've got a very faithful following, and they make a quality product. You know, three big ingredients for success in that industry. So not a knock to them, but in my opinion, I, I, I can go from a – I can find a general feel that I'm looking for and, you know, being an economical fisherman, you know, I can find something that's going to do the job for me. And it just happened to be that DD-22 special they had, that skeleton rod. And, man, you saw that rod as well as I did. Very well balanced. It's lightweight. It's got plenty of backbone and forgiveness in the tip. You know, it's, it's got a kind of a little bit of a slower action than, say, a, a medium heavy. So it, it's, a, it's a real nice rod. I, I enjoyed it. But... Shopping for a reel, to me, that, man, that, that's, that's the hardest part, in my opinion. It, actually, it absolutely is. And because you know as well as I do, guys that fishermen are loyal. They're more loyal to reels than they are rods. Am I not right? No, I agree. I, I mean, to qualify what I was saying earlier, too, and I was talking about the, the blanks and everything, I'm talking like on the high end, you know, those high end oh, no, rods. Yeah. No, they're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, of course, you go to like an entry-level rod to a high-end rod, there's a substantial difference. But you're talking, when you talk about the top echelon of rods, I mean, it's just almost the way that they're finished off more than dressed more than anything. But, no, I agree with you, the reels. I spent time talking to, um, to Jeff Herman in the booth, and, I mean, he's still loyal to, I mean, from when I was at those and Revo's, which, right. me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cast them. It's just because I had a bad experience with one, so I'm loyal to Shimano. But right. for no reason, you know, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, you know, like what Jeff was saying is the problem with a, a real manufacturer is they make a quality product. You know, this is going to be like a case in point. The old greenie from Shimano. You have the old Shimano Corrado green reel that, you know, that had a cult following for, for years. And then they jumped over to that Corrado D, and they lost a ton of people. I mean, that – I owned one, man. And just to be frank, that reel sucked. It was not up to Shimano grade. I mean, compared to the previous generation of Corrado, it was absolutely 
terrible. But they improved vastly when they went back to another green Corrado with the E-Series, and it had the same functionality as the old one. You know, it had the durability, it had the, the smoothness, and it had, um, you know, it had great line capacity, good stopping power, you know, something that was known for the Corrado series. But, you know, uh, here lately, I mean, everybody's coming out with different forms of technology for all these reels, and, it, and it's really hard to, you know, I'm a devout Shimano guy. I'm not going to deny it. I mean, every single reel that I own besides one has a Shimano reel on it in, in low-profile bait casting. All my spinners are still Shimano. But, you know, it, they, they just launched that new Corrado I. And, now I'm, man, I've, it was really, it's been really frustrating because I've, I've been on the waiting list at Tackle Warehouse for the Corrado I for probably the last three weeks. And I can't, I mean, they undershift these things so bad, it was ridiculous. But I think when I get it, it's, it's going to be worth it. Because I got my hands on it over at the fishing show in Houston. And this thing is absolutely amazing. It's the, light, it's the lightest reel outside of a core or a metanium or, you know, the, the Shimano Scorpion or anything like that, 50 mg, that I've ever held. It, it's super lightweight, man. And the spool seems in free spool just to spin for days which is really going to be good for those really long casts because I ordered the 5.5 to 1 ratio for crankbaits. It, it's going to cast for days, man. Did you get a chance to go over and check it out? Yeah, I checked out that one. I also checked out that Daiwa, the, the Zillion, the Coastal. That one's a pretty cool reel too. I think it's a 7.3 yeah. to 1. Yeah, Daiwa had that another was... one that I was contemplating, the, the Tatula. Yeah. It was a... That one was pretty sick, too, man. I mean, Dial has come a long way since whenever I was in college. You know, their, uh, their, big, their big reel that whenever I was in school was going, like, you know, we were, uh, we were doing a lot of finesse and power fishing then, uh, but, like, whenever you're fishing worms and stuff like that, they had a, a twitch bar. You could actually just grab it, and it would twitch the lure, and you wouldn't have to jerk the entire rod. You just twitch that bar, and then it quickly went away from their upper end series and went to their low end series. And I never really picked up a Daiwa reel since then. But this new Tatula, dude, that was a, that was a nice reel. That was an absolutely nice reel. They, and I don't know if you noticed, but on the level wind on a normal reel is a very small hole. You know, it, when you got to feed your line out of, they went to a T-wing. So it, it's almost like it's a... Uh, it's kind of a hybrid between a level wind and uh, and having, you know, like kind of like an open spool kind of on a conventional offshore reel. Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw that too. I was very curious how it cast. Man, I haven't cast a Daiwa since I think it was the old Soul. That was maybe six or seven years ago. And um, no, they, they, yeah, you're right. They've made some major, I don't know if they're improvements, but changes to those reels. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I would like that. I wish they had a, you know, you remember, uh, what was it, two years ago, they had a casting lane set up on the far side of the show for Shimano, but you could, all the other real manufacturers, taking they were taking advantage of that too. I wish they yeah, would have had yeah. that last time. I wish they would have had that last time 
because I would definitely like to go out there and, you know, cast the Tatula. Uh, cast, and here's another reel that I got the chance to see. This was really impressive, too. Uh, the new Revo, um, the new Revo rocket was out there, and they got their new MGX series of reels, which are uh, kind of like the magnesium style, if I'm not mistaken. You know, super lightweight, very efficient reels, easy on the shoulders for casting all day long. But what caught my eye the most was, dude, that Revo rocket reel. Its great, its its gear ratio is 9.0 to one. 37 inches per crank in a small, low-profile bait casting reel. I don't know anybody out there who's in small bait casting reels that come with that, that fast of a reel. It's insane. I, I mean, that would almost be a problem for me. I mean, I just crank it in so fast. <laughs> I have a hard time controlling myself now. I'm the same way, but you know what that'd be really good for is like flipping and pitching. You could pull that stuff. You could you could reel that lure out of that thick cover real quick and already get to the next cast. So I mean, I mean, you know, when you're tournament fishing or if you're fishing in general, you just want to maximize the amount of fishing time of the day. You want to be able to pull that line out very quickly and move from spot to spot to spot very efficiently. That high speed that's going to be able to do it. That or working surface baits. You know, say you're doing a burner frog like uh, like the horny toads from Zoom or rivets, stuff like stuff like that. That's that's a big thing right there. And so nine 9.0, that that's a that's a solid that's a solid reel, man. I mean, 37 inches per crank. I don't know many reels that sniff that in that category. You got to move all the way up to like say the tranks in Shimano, and that's an offshore style reel or musky reel to even get close to that. So it was impressive, but I, I, I definitely had my eyes on the new Corrado because the Corrado had some features that I really enjoyed. So they really revamped their brake system on the reel. So whenever you open the side plate, first off, when you open the side plate, no more do you flip up a little tab and turn a dial and open the entire cavity of the it's got the flip switch like you've got on your cores. It's right. You flip the you flip the switch and the whole panel pops off like spring loaded. It's pretty nice, easy access, very quick. And when you look inside, they've got these uh, they've got these this, this new brake system. Um, I, I think I'll, I think it's SVS SVS Infinity. So instead of having the little brake tab that you pop out. You know, like, you know, typical reels, you know, you know, me and you, man, one in, one out, one in, one out. You know, you alternate all the way around the, the spool. So right. there's, there's you actually turn in. It's very unique. And what it allows to do is, like, as you cast, the momentum of the spool, instead of throwing the weights out, actually, like, the, it uses inner friction instead so you can actually control your your cast a whole lot more efficiently, and you can actually control your cast with lighter lures more efficiently. So if you've got, so say you've got a, a a bigger setup, you've got this re, you got the Shimano Corrado setup on a seven foot rod, and you're throwing twelve foot, you know, or twelve pound test mono, you can go out there and you can throw 
you know, 16-ounce lures. You can throw one eight-ounce lures. And you've got the ability to control and fine-tune the reel so much that you can still throw it with the same setup that you would because, you know, all day long you've been throwing a three-eighths, quarter, half-ounce, whatever bait you're throwing, crankbait, you know, worms, whatever. But you've got the ability to control that reel, and it will let you throw those lighter baits. So it was kind of interesting, man. It was, it was pretty unique. And not to be topped off by anything else, when the side panel for the brakes is closed, say you're holding your reel uh, in your left hand, your left pointer finger can reach and control a dial that lets you fine-tune the brake system even further as you're casting. Dude, it's, it's sick. It's, it, it's absolutely sick. I can't I can't even begin to explain the the kind of reel that it is. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a game changer for sure. I, I bet you anything, you're gonna see a lot more people going over to that style of brake system than what they're currently using, like the magnetic brakes on Abus and stuff like that. It's unique. I mean that would actually help. Like if you've been casting a topwater for a while, you switch to a spoon. I mean, that always screws me up. I don't know why. It's just the way I, way I cast or whatever. But it just be like something and fine-tune it and kind of make it dummy-proof for myself. It would be awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. It's something I struggle with personally. I mean, that every time I do it, if I pick up one rod and I go to the other one where I play with top water or something a little heavier right to a spoon, inevitably uh, I backlash my first cast. No, no. I mean... Yeah, I understand. But the nice thing is I think these this style of reel is going to really start reinventing that, and it's going to start changing how many people go to bait casters. I mean, this this could be foolproof for you, dude. I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying right. like, oh, this will be good for you because you're a, you know, you're a novice or whatever because you're not. I'm just saying this, this could help you in the long run because it's going to allow you to throw any bait. You don't have to go from reel to reel. Right. So I mean, and that's what I'm that, gonna do. But just that that that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. But uh but yeah, so I I've got that reel on, on back order. That's gonna be the finishing coup de gras uh to my anniversary gift. So that's kinda nice. You know, I'm kinda waiting for that. We'll see how that kinda goes. Just the only problem is I go and check my order every single morning and all it says is shipping Status uncertain. It's the it's like a punch in the gut every morning. <laughs> it sucks, man. Right. But well, we got a caller right here. Let's see if we'll bring him in real quick. Hello. Uh, welcome to Yakfish in Texas. How's it going? Hey, it's going fine. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you uh, doing? Mark, right? Yeah, this Mark. Oh, sweet, man. Yeah, it's going great, man. It was just uh, just talking to everybody, kind of like seeing the, the new um, the new rods and reels and gear we saw at the Houston Fishing Show this last weekend. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I didn't get a chance to come by your booth, man. You know, Andrew said he had a chance to come over, talk to you for a little bit, and, you know, see some of the stuff that you guys have got. And it was kind of a shame, man, because, you know, the, I posted up the, the show tonight, and it had the uh, had a picture of a snook that I caught in South Texas, and it was using one of your lures 
and I was trying to look for it all over the website, man. <laughs> I was looking, trying to find uh, all sorts of examples for it. Well, I like you better now since you caught a snook on my lure. <laughs> oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah, what man, were you throwing? I was throwing, uh, it was a root beer kind of body with a chartreuse tail uh, jerk shad. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, man, they, well, they clobbered it, man. Yeah, we uh, I catch a few snook here in Florida. It's uh, kind of a given here, especially, you know, like right now if I go out at night, it's a piece of cake. It's real easy to catch them. And uh, we can get some, you know, I haven't caught any giant fish recently, but I've caught some fish up to like 15, 17 pounds. Man. But a lot yeah, of it, a lot of stuff I'm doing at night, I'm using a bait we call the terrorized because I'm fishing a little bit deeper water. Usually I'm fishing around bridges. My real love of catching snook is to get in some real skinny water. You know, if you do a 15-pound snook and uh, two feet of water, I'll take one of those over 10 snook and 10 and 20 feet of water any day. More fun. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, the, the guys that really got me turned on your lures, it was probably uh, it's probably about five years ago. They uh, yeah. They turned me on to like some DOA cows, and it was the paddle tail. Right. And man, uh-huh. we we absolutely tear fish up in South Texas on those lures. You got you guys have got the uh, the winning combination for me down there. I I will not go anywhere down there except you know, maybe Port O'Connor. But from Port O'Connor down, I won't touch anything but pearl with chartreuse tail, DOA cow. Uh, I'll throw bait busters, especially when I'm offshore for tarpon. I mean, y'all y'all have got my tackle box when it comes from the lower coast. <laughs> Absolutely. You need to throw uh try sometime. We've got a, uh, in the cow bait, throw a glow gold, gold glitter, and glow. It's an excellent color. I know, you know, when it was funny when I went when I've been way down to South Texas where you guys are, where you got some nice clean water, I find that uh it's very similar to where I fish as far as water quality, water color goes. And Arkansas glow, one of our colors is it's so consistent, Arkansas glow and glow gold. Both of those I'm a huge believer in. And uh you know, and those are in the paddle tail, generally speaking. But, uh, I mean, for trout and or for redfish or for snook, it doesn't matter. They just seem to like to eat them. And I find uh, also the warmer the water, the more fish-like glow because the more bioluminescence are in the water. And uh, so I'm a pretty huge believer in glow as it is. And I'm a big believer in anything with holographic glitter in it. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's good info. I've always wondered, like, you know, about the, the bioluminescent stuff. So just to rehash, uh, we're, we're here with Mark Nichols, the owner of DOA Lures. Uh, so, uh, so Mark, um, how, uh, how exactly did you get into the lure-making industry? I mean, when did that come about? Uh, I started in somewhere around 1990. I'm about 100 years old, and... Uh, Actually, I just did it for love of fishing, and I wanted that. Basically, I was born in Houston, which I consider an awesome place to be way far away from. And and I fished Galveston Bay a good bit, and uh, then my dad moved down to Corpus, and I started fishing Corpus and South, and I really enjoyed that. 
you know, I like the grass. I like, you know, sand holes. I like moving water. And uh, then I started throwing a good bit of plastic. I moved to Austin, and I started throwing a lot of plastic. And uh, I took the plastic I was using in freshwater down and started catching a bunch of redfish and trout and said, this is pretty cool. And so my dad owned the shrimp boat in Galveston Bay, I went, and I did a lot of carving, so I started working on a shrimp, and it evolved into whatever I am today. And I just love to fish, and I fish a whole lot. I fished a TV show today. I get a lot of time on the water, and I see things that I feel like I need, and I develop them because I'm on the water, and I say, that would work. And a lot of my evolution, you know, being raised in Texas, you're born with a baitcaster in your hand. And uh, after, you know, after fishing for a long time, I can do so much more with spinning gear, you know, in a lot of situations. And when I developed my product, I had moved from Austin. I moved to Durango, Colorado. And then you're fishing a lot of, like, four-pound tests, and you're using light spin gear. And then I moved here to Florida, and most people are throwing spin here. And it just, you know, I can cast a light lure much further uh, just for any number of reasons. I've got more finesse. And uh, so, you know, we're out today. I caught, you know, 25-pound jack, and we hooked a cobia. We hooked tarpon. And everything is a pretty finesse presentation. So it's cool. No, I just see Andrew, by the way, at the show you mentioned you had a couple new baits coming out. Uh, you want to tell us about them? Is that the Airhead, or was there something else they were working on? Yeah, yeah, we've we're, the Airhead I brought out about a year ago, and uh, I can fish it with a uh, worm-style hook. If you go online or YouTube or something, you can usually find something of the way it swims. Uh, when I first brought it out, it's got a big, like a beaver ta- tail to it and it worked very well that way after i had uh, about a month i was getting calls from a lot of fishermen and they were catching bass with it and most of them were doing what's called a buzz tail excuse me i just just finished dinner sorry uh and they will cut a slot in the tail to make it kind of give a real hard beat somewhat of a curl tail only a lot harder or a lot harder pulse to it and they were catching a ton of bass with it. Went and fished with those guys. Then I weighed a lot over in uh, the Indian River Lagoon. So I went back over there, got in the water, started catching trout and snook with it, and then some real nice redfish and some super skinny water. And I said, I like that. So I do that about as much as I fish it with a whole tail. And uh, I find that fishing that sucker with a screw lock hook. I use, in that case, with the airhead, I use a, a 6.0 uh, owner, and it's like it's made for the bait. It fits it perfect. If you uh, fish pretty light, use like a 332nd ounce screw lock hook in that bait. You can fish it through anything. You can cast it well. If you keep a rod tip up, I can buzz it right on the surface, make a real good splash on the surface with it, or I can bounce it off the bottom. I can bounce it through rock because that screw lock, you know, just sets up where it's very, very weightless. Nice. And that's, uh, you know, that's, 
I was going to say, the other thing I've always heard about you is that you, know, you spend a lot of time on the water testing your products and developing it, and it seems like that's kind of what separates your baits from a, some of the other manufacturers where they're just kind of coming out with the same thing over and over again. How much of that does that play in, you know, how much time you spend on the water, you know, trying baits and trying new things? Well, it's huge, you know. Uh, you know, when I first came out with the shrimp, you know, when I came out with the with the DOA shrimp, I... Uh, you know, I just, I did it for the love of fishing. And part of, you know, I mentioned that I had moved to uh, Durango, Colorado. And in Durango, you know, I would crawl on my belly, you know, with a fly rod or with something with two or four pounds spin up to a trout. And the trout was, you know, if I was fishing a stream, you always assume the trout was looking into the current. And so I learned, you know, how they eat. And then I moved here to Florida I fished currents, you know, in and out going tide. I went up to a light where I thought I was going to see trout because I was raised in Texas and I caught a ton of trout in the lights. So I I come to the lights and all, all I see are these big snook-looking things, you know, and I throw in there and I did the same exact theory. I had made a shrimp initially out of just silicone and you throw it up tide and let the tide just sweep it to the fish. And... uh Sure enough, they started eating it real well, and I said, this is a lot better than being a carpenter, so I started being a fishing lure manufacturer. And uh, and now I guess they, the lure must work because there's a whole bunch of Chinese knockoffs of my bait, so I must be successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, uh, absolutely. Pretty, pretty bizarre, you know, that uh, I guess, you know, they say that's the ultimate compliment, but... It's uh, I'm sorry, I don't know your young man's name, but what you said was, I love to develop product. There, there's a whole bunch of copycats out there, and I've been to China twice. I see the working condition those 14-year-old kids are working in. I've watched them pour lead in a room without a fan in it. And to me, that is just stupid so that I can go have fun. And uh, so I had been there twice. I thought about having some baits made there, and then I realized that, you know, I spend you know, I spend four hundred grand a year on plastic and I buy it from a place in North Carolina. I buy my hooks from Denver, I buy my jig heads from a guy in Illinois, I have my molds built from a guy in Alabama, and you suddenly realize that you're you know, if you have stuff made here you're supporting a whole lot of Americans, not just the people that are in your building. And so uh from a number of points of view I I'm going to keep making my stuff here, and and I've got you know I've got a patent on another shrimp. I will have it coming out soon, and that'll piss off all my competitors because they won't be able to copy me for a while. But uh, <laughs> I just love to fish, and I love to develop product. You know, and I and if you fish all the time, you run into a situation where you go, "Darn it, I need this," <laughs> you know. And so I go and I make it. And, it, and it's pretty cool. And so, you know, it's uh, I've been successful, but bottom line is uh, I love my business. You know, I love uh, fishing and I love, you know, the game and just the kind of middle thing. And today I fished with some extremely good anglers, and we're all very experienced. And if you'll excuse the expression, fishing sucked anyway. It doesn't matter how good you are. If the fish don't want to eat, they ain't going to eat. And uh, I don't care if you're throwing live bait, dead bait, plastic bait, any bait, it doesn't matter. And uh, 
if you're real good, you've learned to laugh at yourself because you know that when they're eating, you, you'll have a good chance of catching them. But if they don't, you can't get mad at yourself. No, I, I have Your to agree, man. <laughs> you know, bottom line is, bottom line is, you want to go out and you want to have fun. You know, and uh, you know, today we were offshore. We saw a uh, half dozen turtles. I mean, we hooked a big tarp, and I landed a twenty-plus pound jack on light spin, which made me cry. And uh, and we, you know, we looked for cobia. We did not see a cobia. Uh, and actually, we did see one cobia on a big ray and a camera boat, which if you ever do TV, you can really learn to hate it because you'll be waiting, trying to get as far away as you can from that stupid boat because it's so noisy. And in order for them to film you, they're like three feet behind you. <laughs> it's like, get away from me. But anyway, <laughs> the, the camera boat blew the... Uh, blew this giant ray down. It had two cobia on it before the guys fishing could get to it. It got blown out by the camera boat. So it's it's always, you know, they they'll always they always say, Okay, we gotta go make some T V and sometimes T V is not very conducive to catching fish. It, but again, you just gotta roll your eyes and laugh at it. Oh, I agree, man. No, I I, I completely understand uh we ha- we we did have a a guy in the chat room. He's uh he's wanting to know he's he's landlocked up in central Texas and uh or upper north Texas up in the Dallas area. He's wanting to know if the DOA had any like a fresh uh freshwater like line of baits that he could check into. And I told him that your when jerk I- baits your jerk baits perform better than some of the more well known names like Zoom. Uh I right, like your sure. jerk more than their more than they're like their super flukes. I like yours a lot more. They've got a lot more action than they do. It's uh you know, it's funny that as long as I've been doing this, you know, people have stereotyped me as a saltwater company and you know, and I kinda look at them and I go, Do you think a fish's brain is so sophisticated that he's gonna look at that lure and go, Oh no, that's a saltwater lure. I can't eat that <laughs> It's like going, Come on, give me a break <laughs> You know, fish are stupid. And, uh, and yeah, you know, with our, our four-inch jerk, it's just, you know, it's not, I'm not even going to begin to say, oh, it's a magic bait. It's not. It's a, it's a good jerk bait, and I try to make a real durable product and some real good colors. And generally, I put 12 in a bag. Most people put 8 or 10 in a bag. So when I called the my generic baits, in general, I called CAL, C-A-L, which standard for cheap-ass lures. Man, the, the C-A-L series was basically a series that were meant to be generic baits. But I am sticking my latest lure in there, which is the Airhead, which gets us to the answer to, your young, to the gentleman's question. Our Airhead that I came out with just a little over a year ago I didn't have it out for a month before I started getting calls from the bass guys, and the bass guys were crushing them. And they're using the airhead, and they're cutting the tail to have that buzz tail, and they're using like a screw lock hook. You can fish it in through this hard, you know, the biggest structure. You can fish it through timber. You can fish it through hydrilla, and you can fish it clean as a bell, and the fish just seem to knock the doo-doo out of it. So... It's been kind of, you know, to me it's it's great because 
I, you know, I live near Lake Okeechobee here in Florida, and it's a great place to test lures, and it's just been it's been exceptional there. And truthfully, when the bass guys called me and said, "Hey, we're crushing them by cutting the tail," that's when I went to saltwater with it and took that same bait out and started doing extremely well in saltwater fishing it the way the bass guys do. And uh, you know, certain fish like a snook. They do like a simple presentation. I do. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to get down to South Texas soon where I can fish for those snook because I know how we fish for them. And, you know, that's a world of, you know, you guys love to throw top water. You said you throw jerk baits. Uh, snook will respond real well to a jerk bait. But snook, largemouth bass, tarpon all eat the same way. They're lazy. They like the bait to come to them. They don't need a lot of action to the bait to make them want to eat it. You know, you can still catch them on a top water, but when it gets bright out and they're not eating on top, I can take my shrimp and I can fish it very methodically, let the tide sweep the bait into a sand hole, and the fish is laying there and all he's got to do is go and eat it. And bass, any of those fish that don't have teeth seem to eat virtually the same way whether it's salt or freshwater fish. Your turn. <laughs> no, nah, dude, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I mean what I typically whenever we go down to South Texas we fish predominantly the South Bay area like Brownsville. You know, it, it's right. it's the most southern it, it's the most southern extreme bay in all of Texas and that's what's known for producing quality, quality snook here in the Texas area. Uh sure. I do not, I don't go I do not go down there without being armed with a top water a uh, kind of like a, a a searching bait. It's kind of like guys will right. use a crank or anything like that and they'll they'll search cuz snook are notorious for blowing up on a bait and not hooking up initially on the first strike, second strike, anything like that. But I quickly followed up with your with your jerk chat because it's got that amount of action that they react to. I've thrown magnum flukes, I've thrown flukes, I've thrown anything like that over potholes or whatever they've been holding over, and I don't get the same reaction as I do with with your lure. It, it's 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 my confidence, my go to lure. It's that root beer chartreuse tail. It's 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 an amazing color combination that they react to very well. But I'll get a blow up. And I immediately, I follow right back up. I'll, I'll, I won't even bother throwing with my top water again. I'll immediately get a blow up, don't get hooked up, reel it in, hang that lure up, move to the next rod, and I've got that split tail right next to it, and I throw it out, and bam, it's, it's, it's almost automatic. I mean, it's, they love that thing. I've caught my personal best snook in uh, South Texas on that thing at 44 inches. I've caught my... Uh, I caught a juvie tarpon in how, how big South was Bay. That fish? What, 44 inches. Up? That, 44 that's a real inches fish. That's, that's a fish. That's a killer yeah, fish. I was getting drugged around, my friend. It was a uh, That's a serious <laughs> animal right there. That's cool. Dude, I buttoned up on that thing, and it took me for a ride. It, it's, I've got... I've, I, 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 I can't begin to explain, man. It, it, it was really, really solid. So uh, I understand but, totally. Trust me, I've caught us. 
the biggest snook ever come in my boat was uh, 52 inches. Uh, we've had a 50, a 51, and a 52. I've, you know, I've had a whole bunch of, you know, 40s, mid-40s. And, and really, some of our fish that live in the brackish water, you know, we call them heart attack fish. They're huge. They get that huge hump on their, on their head. Uh, when we catch our fish closer to our inlets where we live, they're kind of a leaner, meaner fish. Uh, two of those biggest fish have been caught, you know, where they're, you know, they're huge fish no matter what, but they don't have their giant girth. When we find our fish, we call the fish we call the heart attack fish. We always feel like they're almost post-spawn slobs that lay behind a rock, eat a mullet every three days, and then lay behind the rock some more. And then we hook them, and, and they have to fight, and they've got their cholesterol's bad, their heart's bad, and they roll over and die because they're just not used to having a fight. But they're slob fish because they're fat. But sorry, I was drifting away there. <laughs> no, dude, I I understand, man. It, it, it's not a big deal. I mean, it, it those those snook. But what's so amazing around here is you know we got a lot of little. Uh, we don't have anywhere near the mangrove overgrowth that Florida does. But you know when we were fishing for this, when we were fishing for these fish, there is a cut that goes from the Brownsville Ship Channel in the South Bay, and there's a mouth that flows in. And on a good clear day, you can see the channel where it comes in. I was fishing for these fish right off that drop-off because I know on a certain time frame of the day, on a certain sure. tide movement, they like to they like to relate to that style of of a uh, structure. You got to wait a second. You got to you got to wait a second. I talked to three guys at that show, who they told me they're the only people who know about that fishery. Don't tell me somebody else knows about it too. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, dude. <laughs> I, I've I've known about it. My my wife has been. Dude, I'll tell you what. My wife, her very first kayak caught fish was in South Bay, and it was a 33 inch bull red on a DOA cow. It, that's that's yeah, that, what it was. I don't know. Are you guys on my payroll or something? I, I, am I sending you no, something dude, I, I don't know about? I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you what. I, I will send you the names of the boys that. Put me on your lures, man, because those guys, they swear by them down there. I, I'll tell you, five years ago, I had never, I, I, I had never really even, I, I heard about DUA, but I never used them. These guys are like, right. hey, if you're going to come down here and you're going to fish for these things, bring these lures down. It's the DOA cows. You're going to bring them in the pearl and chartreuse paddle tails and bring the root beer and chartreuse split tails. And, you know, that's all you got to bring. Bring them on, on free weights or free weighted hooks, uh, bring them on jig heads, whatever you got to do. And, but make sure those are in your arsenal. And so I loaded up on two or three bags apiece, and my wife and I, we got on some school and reds. And, dude, and this is an honest story. I was throwing a competitor's lure on a jig head, bouncing it in front of that school, and they wouldn't sniff it. it was, I'm telling you, man, it was, it was really close to the color combination. My right. wife threw that. My wife threw it out, bumped it three times, and instantly, they she instantly hooked up. And I go chase her off. I couldn't go chase no fish because you want to know why? She had all the DOAs in her boat. You've got to be nice to them, man. I had to go chase her down. And then after she was done, I had to go and take a, 
I had to go take a bag of lures out of her boat, and then I started going ahead and catching fish. So, well, you're lucky she didn't sell them to you. My wife. A lot of times they get real expensive. A lot of times they get real expensive when it's on the water, you know, pricing. You know, when you're catching something and the other person isn't, you've got those only lures. I sell them like five times the price. Oh, dude, I can't. I can't even. I'll tell you what. I like taking your your bait buster, and that's my go-to tarpon bait from the kayak for casting wise. It sure. Those tarpon around here, you know, when they come up, you know, we we get into them thick, and you know, we've got some spots in the bays, the passes, and then some areas offshore that we, you know, we right. we've got some local areas that those fish will frequent, and it's from Galveston down to you know all the way to Brownsville, whatever. But gotcha. those bait busters, those bait busters are amazing tarpon baits. They really it's are. Really funny. One time uh, when I first came out with that lure a long time ago. I uh, I got a call from this outdoor writer. He was like just a true Yankee, kind of Yankee talk and everything. And and uh, he said, man, I love your bait buster. And I'm like, oh, no, that's good. And uh, he goes, I'm going to write about it. I said, okay, that's cool, thanks. And he had been fishing for uh, snook and tarpon down in the Everglades. And uh, I said, yeah, thanks, that's nice. And he was, you know, he was, he was loud and obnoxious, but a nice guy. And uh, I've lived in Florida, Florida long enough to understand that some of, some people around here are real loud, but they can really be nice people anyway. And uh, and I didn't real I didn't know it, but he wrote for the Wall Street Journal, and he wrote that it was the best uh, striper bait he had ever thrown. And stripers are exactly like snook and tarpon and bass. And uh, and my bait on the west coast of Florida, the, the bait buster, is probably one of the most popular baits because it's a steady retrieve. That tail just has a very small bit of flutter, which is just enough, but you can you don't have to work it to death. And it seems like the tarpon just that's what they prefer. And uh, that bait also, shallow runner and eight pound class had the world record uh, thirty pound snook for like three years. And uh, so, so yeah, I've caught a couple of fish with it too. And uh, the s- simplest, best, it seems like with the tarpon. You know, you cast it out, crank steady retrieve. I also learned from a guide who was kicking my rear end that if you're watching rolling fish in like 10 or 15 feet of water, throw it right on them and just let it fall with them because it drops faster and tends to stay in their face better if you just don't crank it away from them. And, uh, okay, it's your turn. (laughs) This is Andrew again. I'm going to cut in here. I like to talk a lot. So um, I I wanted to say thanks for coming on for one thing. And uh, I've been going to the fishing show for a while, and it's the first time I'd seen you there. And I'd seen you do a couple seminars in Florida a few years back, and, the people of Houston kind of got robbed by you not having the opportunity to do that because your seminars are insane, um, the amount of information you put out there. But uh, just to kind of follow up on what Jeremy's asking, do you have any new lures coming out? Do you have a what website can people go to to buy them? And, um, you know, uh, DOA lures, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, good news and frustrating news when we're at the show. I'm uh, – 
I'm an avid fisherman. I'm real good at getting pressed because I can take somebody out and catch something big. And, uh, and that's all the way I've always tried to sell baits. I am a crappy salesman. I should go to Texas more and go, oh, you must buy this lure to all the tackle shops. But the good news was when I was at that show, we had tremendous response. And a lot of people in Texas love our lures. And I know we sell a bunch of them online. And, uh, you know, hopefully more of the tackle shops will start to take them. But I was, uh, a lot of people had no idea the spectrum of colors that we carry and the variety of lures that we carry. And I will have a, uh, uh, like I said, I'll have a patent on a new shrimp out. Uh, and it, it's something that it will be a, have a faster sink rate, which will lend itself to certain fisheries that the standard shrimp has got a very slow drop, doesn't. And uh, then, I've, then I'm going to have another uh, very large paddle tail, almost bass tail type of paddle tail, for salt water, I love it. It's got a real hard beat. I can fish it with a jighead or a screw lock. I can fish it virtually as a surface bait, or I can bounce it off the bottom, and it's very cool. That production mold is actually being built as we speak, so I will have it out fairly soon. And uh, other than that, that's about all I know. DOALures.com. We can be had. Awesome. Yeah, and the color combinations are absolutely, you know, off the chain. You can you can really pick whatever you would like. I mean, I I don't even I can't begin to count how many color combinations in just the bait buster alone that you have. And personally, you know, that's the problem. See, yeah. when you own a tackle shop, <laughs> when you own a tackle store, and you get ready to go fishing, and you got a hundred billion baits to fish from, it really kind of sucks because you you go, oh no, it was real simple when I made like six colors of one shrimp because then I didn't have to make make many decisions. And uh, these days, uh, but no, seriously, you know, I I do have. I'm just as guilty as any other fisherman. Uh, where you find something that you really start to depend on and you go, this is the only thing that's going to work. But I have definitely learned by fishing with so many good anglers that, yeah, that bait will work, say, 75% of the time. But uh, there's that 25% where maybe you should have just maybe two or three other colors and because, you know, something with a, you know, you love the root beer chartreuse. And as a matter of fact, root beer chartreuse and color sales numbers is probably I know it's in the top three for sure and uh, some of the glows that I've talked about the gold glow or the Arkansas glow those are in the top you know probably in the top three as well and uh, but that's because I talked to them more about them more uh, our color called Fiji chicks uh, some people, I think, may call it chicken on a chain, but it ain't quite because I put glow in the belly of it that a lot of people don't know. And, uh, you know, and several of those colors, the gold glow, the Arkansas glow, are colors I developed myself because, you know, in the case of gold glow, one of my favorite wintertime colors is gold. One of my favorite time, summertime colors is glow. So I'm, like, sitting there one day, I go, well, shoot, I think I'll make a glow gold so I can save having <laughs> to change as much, you know. And uh, and sure enough, it 
it's never, it's not something, you know, these days some folks are making some shrimp that looks so good, I want to just throw them in boiling water. I wouldn't want to fish with them, you know, because they're beautiful. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, a fish, if I know a fish is going to react to something that glows or is gold or is both or is holographic, that's not a shrimp that you see in the wild, but the fish eat it, and so... I'd rather it not be pretty. I'd rather it be what catches the fish. Agreed. So, Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, I, started, agreed. I, I started to say your turn, but I, I held off that time. But anyway, you know, like in, in the Carolinas, you know, their whole phrase is, it ain't no use if it ain't chartreuse. And they throw root and chartreuse a ton there. Really? Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, a lot of it is because their water's slightly stained, you know, so they've got something that is basically, as far as I'm concerned, fish are stupid. It's got a dark root deer, and it's got a bright, which is a chartreuse. You know, when it came out with, like, the Arkansas glow, it's a dark back, dark, with a glow belly, which stands out. So, you know, I go with the theory, fish are stupid. If they can't see one, they can see the other. And... uh you know, and when it goes to where the gentleman asked about bass lures, I can I can put, you know, I've had, I've done a bazillion seminars. Folks will come up to me and they'll go, well, you know, that bait, you know, I hear it works great in salt water, but will a bass eat it? And, you know, so I go, yeah. And uh, I decided, you know, if you put it in a green package and call it a freshwater lure, they'll buy it. But if you put it in the saltwater package, they won't. And uh, so who's smarter, the fish or the person? <laughs> I wonder sometimes. But, but, right. uh, you know, but I just laugh at it because, you know, a lot of people will, you know, overthink a fish. I do want you to get your bait where the fish live, you know, with a jig head or a deep or something that will go deeper or something that you can fish very, you know, very subtle. But ultimately, you need to learn what that fish's pattern is, what he, how he likes to eat, and then try to present your lure accordingly. I I agree, man. Uh, and, and and this coming up season, you know, uh, with offshore you're starting to warm up a, lot, a whole lot more and being exposed a lot more to the base that you've got, I'm I'm really excited about potentially trying the BSL 8.0 that you've got. Uh, I want to throw that around the rigs and trolling that around too. So I mean, getting something to hook up on that because that, that that's the kind of that's the kind of fishing that I do, you, and that and casting as well. So that's right. that's definitely going to be something I'm going to throw this year, and uh, especially like the the blue water kayak class that we've got coming up, and maybe even potentially over uh, in the floor. I've got a Florida trip coming up. So if I'm in Florida, I'll, I'll be around the Tampa Bay area, man. So if, I, if I'm around you need there, to drive, drive, drive three hours. Go to the East Coast. I live in Stewart. Go to the East Coast. Uh, I fish where the, very close to where the all tackle world record trout is caught. My biggest is uh, 34 and a quarter inches, which weighed pretty much dead on 14 pounds. Uh, I fish very close to where the 17.7, the all-tackle world record, is caught. Uh, we live, you know, a lot of Florida folks are pretty, pretty. Uh, they don't wade very much here, but wading here, it, 
it is some of the most ideal waiting of any place you'll ever want to be. And uh, we got big fish, and we got friendly bottom to walk on. So if uh, if you get over to Tampa and you can stand to drive another three or three and a half hours, give me a call. I'm not ashamed, man. Uh, I've got a I, I have a truck and a kayak. I'm willing to drive. It's not a problem. Well, <laughs> it's uh. It's not a big deal to get over here, and we got tons of places to launch a kayak. I do have a kayak tournament. I don't know if you guys have ever been on my website, but if you go on the website, you'll see that I've got a tournament, and uh, I limit it to 120 anglers. It's coming up in April. It's probably sold out. Uh, generally, it sells out in about 10 days, and the uh, reason why it sells out is because, first of all, I only give away kayaks, so it doesn't get a bunch of cheating people who want to win money. And number two, it is a very, very friendly event that people are willing to share information for, with, which is very cool. So I give uh, I give prizes to people that have multiple generations. Uh, last year I had two, three-generation families fishing it, and that's uh, can't get better than that. No, man, I just saw it right now. It was the... Uh the paddlers event, and you were right. It is a, the paddlers event is full. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there you go. I, yeah, it's I, funny. I, we got I, so many people. They call and they go, "Hey man, I want to sign up." And go, "Way too late, dude." You know, it's uh, yeah. everybody. Everybody has fun. I've had I have people from Washington State come and fish it, and I had people from Canada. I had a guy from England come and fish it, and it's uh People just dig it because it's a fun event, and uh, generally if somebody has a question I can't answer, I sit in front of all 120 people, I ask, I tell them, here's the question, and they all vote on it. So if if uh, at the end of the tournament the guy has a problem, I just point them at them and say, you talk to them. And uh, so, so it's a very cool tournament. It's really fun and relaxed, and Anyway, if you're not here for the tournament, give me a call when you're here and we'll go fish. I will, man. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, Mark, I really got to I really got to thank you for coming on tonight, man. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know a lot of guys in the chat room are really, you know, buzzed about listening about DOA lures. Uh, we got a couple of guys that are up in the Northeast. They're really excited about using those on striper. So, you know, you got some good buzz about those things and, uh, Look forward to talking to you later and potentially having you on again and maybe talking about some new lures you got coming on later out in the year. Give me a call. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. I'm happy to be on. Appreciate you guys having me. Yes, sir. No, not a problem, Mark. Thank you. Y'all have a good time. It's, it's like after 10 o'clock here. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> well, it, you're allowed to go to sleep now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that was Mark Nichols from DOA Lures, the owner of DOA Lures. Uh, You can go over to doalures.com, check his stuff out. Uh, Really great stuff, quality lures. They've got amazing action. And you can tell from from what he said, He's come from Texas. He's fished all over the place. He knows what people are looking for, and he's always innovating. So that's that's a key thing for people who are wanting a really good saltwater bait, freshwater bait, anything along those lines. 
Go check them out, doalures.com. And if you got a chance, go ahead and bookmark next year for his Paddlers event. I, I'm probably going to put that on my list. Are you, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. I'm just excited. I know what Cal stands for now. I bet you I know what BFL stands for. <laughs> I can guarantee you I know what BFL stands for, but that's for another show. That's for uh, – <laughs> uh, it's definitely been a good time talking to him. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, man. Uh, so, I, well, next week we're going to probably have the owner of Castaway Rods on. Uh, his name's Adam Murray. He also tends to, or not tends to, he does own Fish and Hunt. Uh, so they've got the, the wading belts, the, the nets, and all of those wading accessories that wade fishermen enjoy. And, you know, wading relates to kayaking very well. So that, that's a big thing right there. So we'll probably have Adam on next week. If not, you know, we'll, we're 90% sure he's going to be on. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll cover some more topics next week. I'm going to try to make the, the chat room a little bit more interactive next week with a couple, maybe, maybe a couple more giveaways. Adam was uh, key on saying maybe potentially he's going to have something to throw in towards the show. So uh, we'll keep him in, in, in the loop. So, well, everybody, thanks for joining in. Uh, it's been another great Tuesday. We'll be back next Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we'll have someone on, <laughs> probably Adam Murray, on to talk about castaway rods. And uh, if you've got fishing reports, feel free to call in. The web uh, or the phone number for the call-in, I'll put it on the Facebook page, Yak Fishing Texas on Facebook. Check it out. Uh, call in. We're looking for reports for all over the state. So either from Dallas, El Paso, Houston, Brownsville, whatever, you call in. We'd love to have it in. So until next time, I am Jaron Wassel. Join with Andrew Moxigemba. We'll be back next Tuesday, 8 p.m. with Yak Fish in Texas. Until then, tight lines.